fought a different style. He came in like old Marvin Haggard. He's all up here. All up. No, no, he's dancing around like Ali, you know, just. But now he come in, he's walking for him. Walking for him. Boo, boo, boo. Boo, boo, boo. Oh. All McGregor could do was hang on. He's tough. I don't know what's up there because he got hit there a lot. So, But I do know this. Sometimes you got to change the way you fight. You can't always go in the same stance, the same way. You can't always do what the devil expects you to do. You got to listen to the Holy Spirit. You got to be led by God. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? How are you uh, tying boxing into, uh, you're in a fight. Satan, the Bible said, Jesus said in John 10, 10, Satan comes what? But to steal, kill, and destroy but I, Jesus, came to give life and to give life more abundantly, more prosperously, more blessed. We got to come to the realization that we're not here for our purpose. We're here on purpose. Oh, you can get that now. We're not here for our purpose. We're here on purpose. Christ designed you. He created you. He made you for such a time as this. He fitted you. He framed you. He set you up and set this world up for you, for now. There's a scripture that says that Satan grows dimmer and dimmer day by day. Dimmer and dimmer. We treat the devil like he's getting stronger. And God already told us the truth. He's really getting dimmer. He's getting weaker. But the more we focus on him and what he's doing, the weaker we become. But more in ourselves. But the more we focus on Christ, we become weak in Christ. And Christ makes us strong. See, if you're going to fight a fight, don't fight Jesus. If you're going to fight a fight, don't fight his will. If you're going to fight a plan, don't fight his plan. If you're going to fight a purpose, don't fight his purpose. Come into agreement with him. Because when you come into agreement with him, it says that you will be able to come into agreement with him where two come into agreement with him and then three come in. You'll be able to put a million to flight, not just a thousand or ten thousand. Because God put you here on purpose. Say, look at your neighbor and say, he did it on purpose. Well, I don't know why the devil's always picking on me. He put you here on purpose. Well, I don't understand why it worked out for her and didn't work out for me. He put you here on purpose. See, he has a plan. I've been talking to you about it, about dropping your nets. Say, drop your nets. Dropping your nets is all about coming into your calling. 2 Timothy 2, 9 says, whom he saved, what and what? Whom he saved and not according to what? Our own works. But according to his holy calling, his purpose and grace in Christ Jesus before time began. Before time began, God put a plan together for you to be saved. And he said, once you're saved, you're automatically called. But see, we got a lot of Christians living a saved life, but not a called life. We're trying to preserve ourselves, keep ourselves ready. and We're working on ourselves. But the problem with just working on yourselves, you're not doing much for him. We're building our income. We're building our family. We're building our kingdom. And he said, that's all right. You're doing pretty good for you. But if you just let me blow on that, I'll blow it up for you. 
I'll make it more and better than anything you could ever imagine. See, he wants you and I to walk in his purpose. He wants you and I to walk in his plan because as we follow him, that's when the plan's revealed. You know, uh, God didn't save us for us to sit on the sidelines. I talked to you about that last week and out of Matthew 4, verses 18 and 19, when Jesus came down by the Sea of Galilee and he called out Peter, and he called out John, and he's talking to him. He said, hey, 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 come follow me. Follow me. Now, he didn't say follow me until it feels good. He didn't say follow me until it looks good. He didn't say follow me and then all the storms go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't say, follow me, and it all work out, and you'll have no struggles and no problems. Follow me, and everybody's just going to like you. You're so sweet. Follow me, and you'll never fail again. You'll just never fail again. No. He said, follow me, and I will make you. See, the problem is we try to make ourselves. He said, follow me and I will make you. You want to be what you can make yourself or you want to be what he made you to be? Because I tell you, we way underestimate our potential in God's plan. And we way overestimate our ability, our strengths, and our plan. But isn't it funny, when our plan blows up, we go crawling back to God. Hey! Follow me, and I will. Who, who will? The great I am. The king of all kings and the lord of all lords. The alpha, the omega, the beginning, and the ending. The same yesterday, today, and forever. God said, hey, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. One translation says, fishers of people. Right there. He said, if you'll follow me, I'll make you. What's he saying? I will change your reality. I will change your fishing hole. I'll change your favorite little fishing spot. Ooh, I want that promotion. That's my favorite fishing spot. I'm just going to keep casting until I get that promotion. Ooh, I want that house over there. I, I'm just going to keep swimming and get to my fishing hole so I can get that house over there. I want that house over there. I want that. Oh, Jesus. I, I can't believe you give me that house, Lord. I want that house. I didn't know dead men and dead women had any wants, but anyway, I guess Christians do because they live saved and not called. Then it's like, oh, Jesus, help me pay the payment. Oh, Lord, help me pay the insurance. Oh, God, taxes are going up. Help me, Lord. And he said, you wanted it. You got it. You pay for it. Because that's your plan, not his plan. We were made to follow him. You see, as Christians, we want to change. We want to change ourselves and we want to change people around us because we just want to be good Christians and we know how to be good. We're not always good, but we know how to fake it when we're not, right? We, we know how to look good anyway when we're not good and we dress up and we all act good. 
But the problem with that is you don't have the ability to change yourself. If you did, you wouldn't need to become a Christian. He said, I'll make you. You say, see, here's the job. It's real simple. Let me just break it down for you. Here, here's God's plan for your life. You follow him and he will change you. You follow him and he will make you. Well, you know, I just want to do this and I want to be that. Well, sooner or later, I die and God can really use you. He don't use eyes, he uses we's and us. And so it's critical this morning that we understand when we're dropping our nets, the purpose behind it. I want to just touch on something with you today because this is a big vision day. We got a lot of things. And, but here's what I want you to know. Never allow your weaknesses to stop God from using your strengths. I'll just stay there about two weeks, I probably will. I just, never allow your weaknesses to stop God from using your strengths. See, if he could get you focused on what you're not, what you should be, what you could be, what you want to be, get you focused on where you miss it, where you don't measure up, then you probably don't have your eyes on him. Because he convicts you, not condemns you. He convicts you so you will have a burden and you will what? Not change because that's what we've been taught. Oh, just, okay, you felt conviction, girl. You better change. Well, if the girl could change, she wouldn't need Jesus or you. Dude, you better change. You're going to mess up. Yeah, he knows he's going to mess up. He's already messed just like you. The one time he's a mess, you can't change him. He can't change himself. The situation can't change him, good or bad, only Jesus. So the key is, as I follow him, he makes me. As I follow him, I change from glory to glory to glory. I began to look more like my identity as a son of God and you as a daughter of God. You began to look more like who he made you to be in the beginning. And then what happens, it begins to turn things around that's around you. He begins to transform. He begins to change you. You see, despite your shortcomings, despite your fears, despite your current circumstances, despite the attacks of the enemy on you, your family, your mind, your stuff, your money, your health, despite any of that stuff, never allow your weaknesses to hinder or stop God from using your strength. See, the more you follow him, the more he can use your strength. He can use your personality in a better way. He can, see, see if you, if like, you know, when you gave your life to Christ, if you was a fighter before you got saved, you'll be a fighter after you got saved. If you was a loud mouth before you got saved, you'll be a loud mouth after you got saved. You'll just be a fighter for Christ and a loud mouth for Christ. That's all. It, you know, it doesn't matter. Whatever you were before, that's just a hint of what God wants to do with you in the spirit realm. You say, yeah, but I was a crazy drug addict. Yeah, you're going to be a drug addict on Jesus. He's just going to be your new drug, that's all. And you know, you're going to be obsessed with Jesus. That's okay. You get obsessed with Jesus and everything will change. 
See, the enemy wants you to focus on your weaknesses. Now, I'm not talking about, oh, it's okay to sin. Sin is what brings the darkness. Sin is what brings you the separation where you don't feel him and you don't see him and you don't sense him. Now, sometimes you can be totally in his will doing great and he'll step back just to see how mature you are. Oh, you didn't get a goosebump today. Okay, no Holy Ghost tingle there. Okay, so do you still love me? Oh, you, you don't even see me. You just kind of follow my shadow. This this new one-and-a-half-year-old pup, you know, Tyson, and I didn't name him. I guess that whoever had him named him after Michael Tyson or something, but we got him from the ref, rescue. And uh, he's hilarious. He wants to chase his shadow. So he's a one-and-a-half-year-old Boston dude can jump, run. He caught one bird. Miss Kathy kept him while we was out of town. He caught a bird at her house and played with it. I mean, he's something. But you'll be sitting there, and you'll put your finger over here on the wall, and that crazy dog will be like, he wants a problem. He's bumping the wall. He wants that. He wants that shadow. He's shadow boxing. He shadow. And then you can walk away. Every so often he'll look and walk over there like, okay, you coming back out or did you leave? What's your problem? You want to fight? What? The shadow's gone, ding dong, because we just walked away. Nobody's pulling your chain. See that fear you've been battling? That's the shadow boxing. Those lies the devil's been telling you, that's the shadow boxing. You know, that worry and fear and anxiety, you guys, it's shadow boxing. It's shadow boxing. It's just getting you ready for the real fight. It's just getting ready for the real enemy. The problem is you can't get off your shadow. You keep trying to fix your shadow instead of getting your attention on Jesus so you can follow him and really kick the devil's butt. A lot of Christians are shadow boxers. They just look good in the mirror. Get out there and get sucker punched one time. Get a big haymaker, a hook, something like that. See, the most dangerous punch to a fighter is not the punch he sees coming. It's the punch he can't see coming. Because then he can't posture himself. He can't protect himself. See, Mayweather, all of a sudden, ooh, look at that punch. And Mayweather's almost doing a back bend. Like, boom, he hits him and kind of glances off. Then you see... McConnell get hit, boom, his whole head sink in. See, I, it's okay to shadow box and get yourself ready, but that's not the fight. See, see, you're shadow boxing your weaknesses. You're battling your own self. You're so frustrated with yourself, God can't use you. Your husband can't use you. Your wife can't use you. Your kids can't use you. Your employer can't use you. Your employees can't use you. Because you so consume shadow boxing, you run around your little domain shadow boxing. But the Lord's saying, come out and fight. Come on out and fight. Remember one time my brother, some guy got mad at him over some girl. He's about 19. He went in the military when he was 17, graduated high school. You know, he's kickboxing, judo, boxing. All. This big old dude, about 6'3", probably about 260. I'm going to whoop that Dalton boy. You go tell your come in the pool hall. I'm going to high school. Shoot go tell your brother. I'm going to meet him down at the schoolyard. I'm going to whoop him, tell him to get out. I said, you don't want to do that, but that's your business. So you, no, you go get your brother. I said, oh, I got my brother. I went down and said, hey, Terry. Old Teddy down here said, he's going to whoop you. going to kick your butt. Where's he going to be? Down at the schoolyard. Now, this was the old high school where the asphalt, no grass, all asphalt. You know, chain basketball nets. No, you know, real man's that real swing sets made out of steel with a rubber belt with chains, and you could just about loop over it. You know, 
Here my brother comes down. Here's this big old dude. I've been waiting on you. My brother said, you don't want, you don't want none of this, Teddy. No. I've been waiting, Dalton. I've been waiting. Okay. You want this? My brother stood back. He had his cowboy boots on. Cowboy boots was cool then. Still cool if you live in Texas. Amen. All of a sudden, this old boy come over, and he's getting ready to start swinging. My brother jumps up, boom, does a big roundhouse under his neck and chin. That old big boy, about 260 pounds, went that far off the ground and went straight back. Boom. I don't want to tell you what happened after that because it wasn't good. But needless to say, my brother never received a punch because he learned how to fight in the military. He learned how to fight. This other dude was his shadow boxing. You see, when you learn how to fight, you come with a purpose. My brother already knew when he stepped out of the car what he was going to do to this guy. He wasn't going to let that big old 260-pound man wrap his big old arms around him and throw him on the ground. He just took his foot and whoom, and then got him on the ground. See, the problem is you're wrestling around letting the devil get you on the ground, and you're fighting yourself. You're throwing yourself on the ground, throwing little Christian tantrums. Little, little Christian tantrum. I didn't get my way. It's not, it's not your way because it's not your kingdom. It's his. You know, throwing little Christian tantrums, rolling around on the floor. Well, let me get to what I was going to tell you. Last week, I was in John 21 with you, talking to you about how Jesus came where Peter went fishing. He quit. After he denied Christ three times, told the other disciples, I'm going fishing. They said, we'll go with you. They're out fishing, catching nothing. Out fishing all night, catching nothing. See, uh, what'd he do? Where's my nets? He, was, he picked his nets back up and was casting his nets over the boat, catching nothing. He went back. Those nets represent his fears, his anxieties, his weaknesses. His ability to make an income. His ability to have a good relationship. His ability to be anointed. His ability to be liked. His ability to be favored. But he just kept pulling it back empty. And then Jesus is walking along after he'd resurrected. He's walking along the beach there and he said, Hey! Hey, I heard that before. And they were a pretty good distance off the beach. Hey! Yeah! Catching anything? No, go on the other side of the boat and throw your nets over. By that time, they're like, oh, we need some help. James, get over here. John, get over here. Matthew, come on, we can't get it all in. Peter! And Peter reaches in, he's grabbing. About that time, the one that the disciple that Jesus loved, John said, wait a minute. It's empty, we wasn't catching nothing. It's full. I know that, hey, that's, that's our Savior. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Peter at that moment said, you can have that net. He said, I done learned my lesson. And he was in his girdle, his underclothes. He put his clothes on and jumped in the water and went toward Jesus. Now, what's interesting, when you start following Jesus, even if you get what you want in the net because it was full of fish, you'll leave him. Because you already realize no matter what you catch in that net, the next time you throw it out, you got to pray it's full again. But when you're following Jesus, he's responsible for the net. 
Oh, you got to do is cast it. Hey, which side, Lord? Okay, yeah, we hit that. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I told you guys it'd be full. See, when we live by his promise, when we live by his purpose. Now, there's a verse I want to give you, and then we're going to pray. In 2 Corinthians, we see the great apostle Paul here. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And uh, he teaches us that if, if we will follow Christ and not allow our weaknesses to stop him from using our strengths, the key is, will I believe that through my weaknesses, the strength of God can be displayed through me? Through my weaknesses, when I'm weak, can God's strength be displayed through me? Now, I could give you example after example. You know, Samson, he's blind and did more when he was blind. Had to be led by a little boy to the spot to bring the columns down. I can talk to you about David and his little slingshot. I can talk to you about a lot of different people. But I want to talk to you about you for a few minutes. Because we know a lot about weakness, but I don't think we know much about strength. And I want to give you this scripture and we're going to pray. Look at me, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Paul said this, because he was being buffeted. Remember, there was a messenger sent from Satan, the Bible says, and was buffeting Paul, was coming after Paul. And Paul had played three, prayed three times for God to take it away. And Jesus, God said, no, I'm not going to do that, Paul. And here's what he said after he figured it all out in verse 9. And he said to me, here's what God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, when you quit fighting and let me help you, Paul, you're going to be stronger than you could ever be on your own. I mean, how many times your kids, they're trying to do something, they're struggling, you say, just calm down, calm down, you just get a hold, just stop, stop, stop beating the air, stop, stop, just quit. And then they calm down and you can help them do what they need to do. You can lift them up to get it. You can do whatever. He said, my strength is made perfect, what? In weakness, really in our weakness. Doesn't mean you're supposed to be weak. It means that we are supposed to surrender to him. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities than the that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, even Paul had to turn his weaknesses over to God so God's strength could be displayed. So, you know, did you realize that sometimes you'll go, do, you'll go back to your nets, you'll go back to the thing you were really good at when times are tough, and sometimes you'll go back to them and, and God won't bless them, and they'll be worse than they were before? You know why? Because he don't want you to think it had anything to do with you that really the power wasn't in you the first time. That's just the talent he gave you. The power is in your weakness submitting to God. And as you follow God, he makes you strong. See, if all you focus on is sin, you'll just sin more. But if you'll focus on Christ and keep repenting of the sin, what happens is before long you forget about those sins and you're just so focused on Christ and his purpose, you don't have time to make your own mess up. Look at it in the message translation. In the message translation, it says, My grace is enough. My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own 
in your weakness. Once I heard that, Paul said, I was glad to let it happen. Are you glad to let it happen? Are you, you still trying to figure it out and make it happen? Are you still trying to fix people and fix stuff and fix yourself? Or are you just ready to let it happen? He said, I just finally let it happen. He said, I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. Wow. What if you started praising him in the middle of your fire? What if you started praising him in the middle of what you're afraid of instead of focusing on what you're afraid of? Start praising him. What if you started praising him when people don't like you? What if you worshiped him even more when you weren't the favorite child? He said, I quit focusing on the handicap, began appreciating the gift. It was a case of what? A case of Christ's strength, who is grace, moving in my weakness. Now, limit, I take limitations in strides. What kind of stride? He don't get out of the shadow of Christ. He forgets his own shadow. And with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. That's something. Jesus is take the wheel. I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, the girl said, but it's really true if you'll just let him take the wheel. If you'll just let him take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. See, a lot of people get all caught up in that and say, well, it's all right just to keep on living. It's all right, brother. I can just keep on. Yeah, you just keep on keeping on, and you get so far away from Christ, you won't even be able to find him. But you can keep on keeping on focusing on Christ and repenting of this mess, and before long, you're going to catch a mess of something good instead of a mess of something bad. So I want to ask you, about dropping your nets. Last week I asked you to come, if you wanted to come and pray, to drop your nets. Both services, the altar was packed. I'd say 80% of the first service and probably 75% or so of the second came. So what if you really did drop your nets today? What if you really did drop your nets today? Drop what you think and know. Drop what your weaknesses, failures, and limitations are. Drop your fears and and insecurities. Drop your plan B and take his plan A. So today, I want to ask you to come into your calling. Say, yeah, but, you know, I've been praying about that, getting myself ready. Yeah, there is preparation. But there's no preparation if Jesus is not in it. It's not about your ability, your talent, your gift. Yeah, you work hard. You do everything you got to do in Christ. And then he multiplies the rest of it. See, we're getting ready here in a few moments to open up some great opportunities to you. Bethel uh, School of Ministry opportunities starting in September, here a little later in September. September 15th, is it, I think? On Wednesday nights. And then uh, night classes. I'll be teaching, Pastor Mark, others, some of the other people in our church will be teaching. And then... Uh, then Bethel intern program, man, we already with our interns have 10 full-time interns and a few part-time. We got five or six coming from Georgia up here. It's going to be crazy. And man, they're going to be here 40 hours a week learning, growing, and serving in Christ. We got other amazing things. Connect groups are kicking off again, man. You don't, I see more people, the people that's in connect groups and faithful. I see the greatest growth in year to year. Then all of that, we have, uh, 
We have uh, serving opportunities all over the church, man. Ushers, greeters, parking lot, first impressions, VIP, worship, all these things. And you just need to get started. You just need to get going. Then we got a great opportunity to reach our city, really to reach this central area of Kentucky and West Virginia and Ohio and even Indiana with River Rock. And we'll be showing you a video here in a moment. But I want to ask you, so let's just all stand for just a moment. And I want to tell you this, tomorrow night, I haven't told anyone else, so I may be the only one here. But Roy said I'll be here. We're, at 6.30, I'm calling one hour solemn prayer for our community this Monday night, 6.30 to 7.30. If you can come out, me and Roy will be here. I'm sure Pastor Steph and others. But we're just going to walk this sanctuary and pray and proclaim over our city, over our region, the peace and the unity of God, the power of God. We're going to pray. We'll be preaching that, preaching and doing worship Wednesday night at Consolidated Baptist, an amazing church. So come on over that. I think it starts at 7. And make sure you come on over that and join us. We're going to, I'm believing a lot of our churches comes and we just fellowship and have a blast and a great, great church there. But right now, I want to ask you, and I'm not asking you to head bowed and your eye closed. You say, man, I'm ready. I'm ready, Pastor. I'm ready to step into something. If you maybe have not been as active as you were, and you say, I got to get more active. If maybe you've just been on the sidelines for a long time and haven't been active at all, serving God, just whatever capacity that is, and you say, I need to step into my calling. Maybe you've been believing to go to the school, or you're going to the school, just believing God to work things out. You know, when you take a step, God sees it, and he finds a way to help you get there. So on the count of three, you're here for whatever it is. You want to go take that leap, because that's what Peter did. He leaped off the boat, and when he leaped off the boat, he went toward Jesus. And I'm asking you this morning, will you take a leap? Will you take a jump and say, I'm not going to sit here and look at my schedule and plan. I'm going to take a jump. I'm going to take some of those Wednesday night classes. I'm going to take a jump. I'm going to serve in the usher ministry. I'm going to take a jump. I'm going to serve on the worship team. I'm going to take a jump. I'm going to serve in VIP or student ministries or children's ministry. I'm going to take a jump and become an owner, a member in this church. I'm just going to take a jump to whatever God has next for me. If that's you on a count of three, step out. I want to pray over you real quick. Run up this altar. I want to pray over you right now. One, two, three. Get up here now. Get up here. I'm not playing. Get up here now. You want to take the next step. I don't care if you've been here 10 years. It's, it's the next step that God has for you. You're ready. We dropped our nets last week. We're taking the next step this week. If that's you, come on down. Come on down. Come on down. You ready to take the next step? You ready to let God use you? You're getting ready to move forward? See, right now, let me teach you all something. There should not be one leader in this church standing there right now. When you see this many people coming forward, if you're a leader and not taking the next step, you won't be a leader very long. So if you're a leader, I would advise you, get down here. If you see yourself as any kind of leader in this church, you say, Pastor, are you being mean? No, I'm teaching you something. I'm teaching you a principle. There was people that come and stood with you when you were believing to take the next step. Now you need to come and stand with these. And guess what will happen? You'll take a step you wasn't even planning on taking. You'll move up to the next plan that God has for your life. You'll move up to the next step that God has for you. It could be a financial thing. It could be a leadership thing. It could be a ministry thing. Whatever it is, I'm just saying, sing that, Rory, one time and we'll pray. Just keep coming, keep on coming. Come on, he's going to move mountains for you this morning. You ready for mountains to move this morning? 
Come on. You ready for mountains to move this morning? Yes. Sing it one more time. We're going to pray. I'll sing to it again. See you move. You move the mountains. And I believe. I'll sing to it again. Made a way. With that no way. And I believe. I'll sing to it again. Right now, you ready? Some of you, it's him doing it again. Some of you, it's next step. Some of you, it's whatever God has, or just raise your hands high or pray. God, oh, I just want to pray with you right now. Father, I just thank you right now for every person up here. Every person says, I'm ready to take a step. Some are brand new to the church. Some have been here a while. Some have been here a long time, Lord. God, it's not about man. It's not about my plan. It's not about Bethel's plan. It's about your plan. It's about your purpose. And God, I pray you stir up your gifts in them. Stir up your faith in them. Stir up your anointing in them. Stir up your power. Stir up your plan. That the enemy does not rob one thing that God has planned for them. That the enemy doesn't hinder, doesn't slow down. That he's not able. Oh, he'll try. He'll try, but we're not going to focus on him. We're going to focus on Jesus and let Jesus change us. God, I'm right here down to solder with him. Change me with him, Lord. Change me with him, Lord. Change us from glory to glory, from purpose to purpose, from plan to plan. You have it. You got it. You reign. And we give you glory as we take a leap in the next step with you. In Jesus' name. Come on. Give him a shout, church. Come on. Give him a shout. Man, can you, yeah, can you sing that while they go back to your seats? I know it's quick, but I just had to get that in. I'm, I'm not sorry, but it's quick. I had to get it in because I believe in you that much. I believe in you. It's worth the time. It's worth the time. Sing it, Rory. Come on, man. I see you it again. So we've got two really important things to do here. We're going to honor God through our giving, and then I'm going to give you just a little more detail before we release, uh, because we've, this is not a rah-rah message, right? Joe, get that. This is a call to action. Look at somebody right now say, time to take action. Just tell somebody. Tell somebody it's time to take action. If you're going to a church and you're never required to take action, something's wrong with that picture. Because the, the, the work of a pastor and the apostle, the, all the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints for the, for the work of the ministry. And so that, that's, that's what today is about. And so I'm going to release you to some tables and give you some more information in a moment. But we're going to honor God through our giving. And, you know, today is really a whole lot about those defining moments, those decisions that shape us and that change us. And you know what? Giving is a, a, a key moment for many of us, really for all of us, how we choose to respond to give to God. You know, in the book of Philippians, uh, now if you want to go ahead and get ready to give, there's envelopes there. You can give through push pay. You, if you type it on your phone, I won't get nervous because it's up there. Um, but in the book of Philippians, you see a church that they helped Paul in his time of need when he was a missionary. And they had hang-ups just like you and me, right? Do I have enough to 
take care of my family? Do I have enough to do what I need to do? How much should I give? When should I give? They had all the same hands, but in the end, they realized that they were going to give generously no matter, even if it didn't make sense. And there's a verse in Philippians 4.19. This is why I believe they gave to Paul the way they did. And it says in 4.19, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Sounds a lot like, like we should do the giving and God will do the providing. Sounds a lot like we do the following and God will do the changing if we just do what he says. And so I want to encourage you, let this be a defining moment for you as you give. Then you know what? I, I'm not going to provide for myself like Pastor was talking about. You get that house, good luck with that. Because then you got to keep it. You got to maintain it. But when we put him first, he takes care of the details, right? Now, now as you're giving, we've, we've had something we've been pushing towards this weekend because we had an HVAC unit go out. And it's not like yours or my house where it's a few thousand dollars to fix one of those things. Uh, it was $32,000 to fix an HVAC unit. Just one. And this is the third one in like the last 10 months that we've replaced. And so we've had up to this point about $13,500 come in towards that HVAC unit. So that's really good. You give God a hand clap praise for that. That's good. But we want to knock the rest of that out because we took a small loan just to take care of that because if you would have had it your house, you would have taken care of that, right? So we did the same thing, but we want to take care of that loan and knock that out. So give generously. It don't make sense. That's all right. Give anyways because he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Can I get an amen on that? All right, let's pray right now. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for the opportunity to respond, to take action through our giving. God, we thank you for a house like this where people are being saved and baptized and finding their calling. God, coming into their calling to be all that you've called us to be, that, God, we can give with confidence knowing that we're not just giving for HVAC units, God. We're giving towards the kingdom. We're giving so that others can know you, God, and know the joy and the love and the grace and the mercy that you provide to every single one of us you're not biased, God. We don't have to be good enough. We don't have to earn it, God. You love us just as we are, not as we should be. And so, God, we give so that others can know that. And we thank you for it. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, while you're giving, we've talked about River Rock a good bit. And some of you are curious how River Rock, Kentucky came about. And so we took some time to go out to the property uh, where River Rock's going to happen. How many have been to Ichthus again? It's on those same grounds. And we took some time out there to the property and shot a little video with Roy so you can hear the story of how River Rock came about. So take a look. When I first came to Bethel Harvest Church in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, God had put a lot of things on my heart. Uh, one of them was um, to do concerts, um, do concerts at churches, and things like that. You know, I was thinking maybe do a concert at our church or some churches around, bring in some artists, some worship bands. And um, little did I know what God was, was ready to do. Um, but as I began to just pray and, and just see God's face on it, um, I felt like uh, He was going to do something awesome. And so I just prayed and prayed and then uh, talked to a friend of mine that, that's in uh, Maine. And uh, his name is Jeff, and, and uh, he does festivals in Maine. And so he's doing all these festivals up there. And I was like, hey, man, you want to do some concerts in Lexington? 
and he's like, yeah, sure, let's let's do it, you know. And so I was like, okay, cool. So um, so I just started praying again, you know, just being in my spirit and um, just waiting on God. And, and several months later, maybe six months, um, I had bumped into uh, the the man that owns this the farm, Servant Heart Farms. It's in Wilmore, Kentucky. And in fact, I'm sitting on the stage right now, right here, and um, and so excited about it. Um, you know, came over and met him, and uh, and God just uh, opened the door. He said, Rory, he said, man, I'd love to do some festivals out here. We've been praying, we've been uh, fasting, seeking God, and uh, if you can be a part of that, we'd love you to be a part of that, man. And so I left that day and with, with something even more stirred up in my spirit, just going, what do you want to do, God? So literally a week later, after that first initial meeting that we had together, um, uh, Jeff gets this phone call. And he's flipping out. He's like, Rory, come on, call me, call me, call me. So I call him, and he's like, you're not going to believe what happened. And, uh, and so it's so amazing. Um, he's doing a festival in Maine, a two-day uh, concert series with all these groups and artists and worship bands. And, and uh, he says, this guy just walked up to me uh, backstage, just walks up right up to me out of nowhere and starts talking to me and just thanking me for what, what's happening and what an awesome festival this is and he's just telling him and thanking him and, and then he says he's you know who I am he says no he says I'm Matt Bevins Matt Bevin our governor goes to the festival and he's he's just blown away and he says he says the next thing out of out of his lips was what what can we do to have this in Kentucky and and we're just flipping out we're like are you serious this was literally a week later uh, from our first conversation I mean it had, it had been over a year of prayer fasting seeking God let it be in my spirit and and just seeing how God was bringing everybody together but once this happened we're just like wow it's God you know and so so awesome so God so God just started to even take it to the next level and uh, uh, just a couple months after that we started having meetings together with with the governor uh, he introduced us to people like Ken Ham that owns the Ark Encounter and owns Creation Museum uh, uh, Asbury University gets behind it, some bank bank owners and banks in our city and, and everything and, and everybody just starts to jump in once they hear the, the vision, the fresh new vision for River Rock, Kentucky. And uh, it's so awesome to see everybody jumping in to be a part of, of what God's gonna do here. Well, when I first walked uh, this property just over a year ago, um, you know, just, just sensing and, and seeing what what I saw in my in my spirit, I saw uh, I saw thousands of young people, thousands of adults, and thousands of families with their hands lifted up towards the heavens, towards our Lord, uh, just worshiping Him. Um, God's presence. I felt like it was like I saw revival. I saw people running to the altars. I saw people worshiping. Um, and, and that was even before I knew that on this very spot right here, 122 acres, Servant Heart Farms in Wilmore, that, that God had already done some amazing things. And one of the biggest uh, music festivals that had ever been for decades right here in this spot had already happened. I had no idea what God was about to do again and something that was going to be fresh and, and that the, the ground was already fresh and the soil was fresh. and and that thousands had already given their lives to God right here, run to the altar and prayed that sinner's prayer and, and got filled with the Holy Spirit and lifted their hands and worshiped. And, and so what we're believing for is that that will happen again right here at the same spot, 
something new and something fresh that God's going to do. And Bethel Harvest, we want you to be a part. We want you to feel like this is your thing and that that River Rock, Kentucky is, is our music festival together. And uh, we're going to see God do some amazing things. If you want to be a part of that with me and, and our team on this journey and want to be a part of the team, I want you to, to go get tickets. I want you to go volunteer. I want you to jump in here and, and do what you can to, to see uh, your family and your friends come and enjoy an awesome time in God's presence together. And maybe there's some family and friends out there that, that need Jesus that you could invite that would, that would get saved right here. We're believing God for, to do some miracles, and uh, we want you to be a part of that. Does anybody just feel God all over that? Wow. That was actual footage from Ichthus that he was dropping in there. And I, I've been there standing on the front of that stage when I've seen they give an altar call and thousands respond to give their life to Jesus. And so we're going to create that kind of environment. So um, what we're going to do now, there are six tables out there with six different opportunities. River Rock is one of those. You can go out to find out about volunteering, about getting tickets. If you know a band still, I don't know if there's still room for that, but find out more about River Rock. There are two tables right in the front windows for Bethel School of Ministry for the night classes and for Bethel School of Ministry for the interns. You know, I shared this before, but I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for one person about 15, 16 years ago when Pastor Dalton had a, the first vision to have a, some kind of school, and it was called Bethel Bible Institute. And he was promoting it, and it was evening classes, just like what our night classes are going to be. And my wife and I wanted to go, but we didn't have the means. And there was another couple, not an older couple with whole lot of overflow of finances, a young married couple who believed in us and believed in what God was doing, who sowed a seed so that we could be in that first school of BBI. And I don't think I'd be standing here if it wasn't for that journey and the instruction and the empowering and the, the teaching that I received and the relationships that I made. And so maybe you're sitting here and you're like, hey, I need that step in my journey. Or maybe you're sitting here and saying, you know what, I believe in this vision. I don't think it's for me, but I'm going to give a scholarship to someone else. Stop at the table out there and say, hey, I want a scholarship, a student for two classes or three classes or a whole semester, whatever it might be. There's also a table over here on this side for our connect groups. And like Pastor said, man, when you see people grow year to year, it's powerful. I look at Chad and Jenny Webb here in the front row, wave everybody. And the first year, two, three years ago now, well, two years ago now, they were, what I'm going to say is reluctant apprentices. Like, I, I felt like I had to do some pretty good convincing on this. And uh, they were apprentices with my wife and I leading the Connect group. And then last year, they started leading their own group along with Chad, or with Jared and Summer Nelson sitting right next to them who maybe were a little reluctant to at the time, maybe just a little bit. And this year when I had a conversation, I was talking with Jenny and Summer, and I said, so you guys going to continue on in their group? And Jenny looked at me like I was crazy because it was an obvious thing because they've got friends and they've grown and they've taken next steps. So connect groups are huge. We've got men's, women's, couples, stop by, fill out a card. We've got an area over here, another table over here for our serve areas. If you are not serving, it's time. Drop the nets, drop the excuses, begin to serve. 
There, there is a place for everybody, no matter what your heart, your skill, there's a place for everybody. So stop by that table. And then finally, there's a table for our belong class. And our belong class is, uh, it's a four-week class that goes on four Sundays. But if you're here and saying, man, I love this place, I love these people, I want this to be my family, then the belong class is your next step to say, hey, how do I get plugged in? How do I engage? And uh, it's just a great, great opportunity to find out what we believe, what our vision is, and how you can get engaged in the community. So those are the six opportunities. So I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to challenge you to take some time, stop by a table, have some conversations. There'll be leaders at all those tables out there. And I want you to stop by, sign up, get a card, fill in a sign-up sheet, whatever it is. But whatever you, especially those of you that responded up here at the altar, there is a table or two or three out there that you need to stop by that's going to be your turning point. So that's what we want to challenge you to do. And then just a reminder, this Wednesday, everybody say this Wednesday. We're at Consolidated Baptist for service at 7 p.m. Roaring some of the team leading worship. Pastor will be preaching the word. Uh, it's going to be a powerful night, so you don't want to miss that. I'm going to pray this out of here. Jesus, we love you. God, thank you for the opportunity, for the challenge to drop our nets, to drop our excuses, to drop our limiting beliefs, God, and to say, God, we are willing to come into our calling. And so, God, I pray for every person that today would be a day that they take a next step, that they take action today with what they've heard and how you've moved on their heart. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Take some time. Talk to some people. I was lost with a broken heart. You picked me up. Now I'm set apart.